Hi there, this is Alana. You're listening to the Praying Christian Women podcast with me and Jamie Hampton. How's it going, Jamie? It's going, going well. How are you? Things are fine. Tell me something new and exciting about your your life and things in your neck of the of the Alaska. Neck of the Alaska. Wow, something new. I've started drinking more water. Nice. So you're peeing all the time. And- oh yeah. It's actually, uh, you know, not to be weird, but I, I, it's good. It makes me feel more healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, there've been it. days where I've gone the entire day and haven't had anything to drink, but coffee literally. Yeah. And that's horrible. Um, I mean, that's horrible for your body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm drinking well, more water. Yeah. I have decided and I'm, yeah, I, I've become a little more conscious of my aging self and uh-huh. <laughs> experiencing hormone fluctuations. And I just really want to like do everything that I can to protect my brain and protect my yeah. body in the, the upcoming rest of my life. <laughs> so that's, I mean, second half. Yeah. So that's my uh, second two thirds. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. So you're at the beginning of your second third. Okay. Cause maybe. that's how I see myself. Is that it's, how you see it? Yeah. Yeah. The second, second third. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I get it. Everyone listening gets it. All right. And then we've got some like 25 year old listener who's like, what are these old women talking about water for? Yeah. And are they going to hello 25 year old 20? Yeah. (laughs) Well, actually, that's the other thing is I age myself because I'm older than you. So I'm in my 40s. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're only maybe like five or six years difference. though, right. I'm 37. Yeah. And I'm 44. So, okay seven years. Yeah. You are old enough to be my big sister. That's right. <laughs> That's actually the age gap between my mom and her younger sister. They had a there very, we go. very good relationship. And yeah, it was very cool. Well, give me seven years and I know who I'm going to be calling about fluctuations. Yeah. Fluctuations. <laughs> it's, it's no fun, but it's, yeah, it is what it is. And I just want to, you know, get through it yep. in the best way possible. How about you? Amen. Oh, we're gaining so much more daylight and I love it. Oh, like yeah. I was driving at about 5, 10 PM and it wasn't pitch black. Like the sun had set, but you could still see that little strip of a tiny bit of light on the horizon. I just love that we are gaining more daylight now. It is. It makes such a big difference in mm-hmm. when I see those little bits of, oh, when we got up at this mm-hmm. time a few weeks ago, cause we're gaining, you're probably gaining faster than us. Um, We're kind of about the same. It's about six minutes a day, right? Something like six minutes a day. Uh, I know at certain points of the year, I don't know if we're at that point right now, but yeah, it's a really dramatic increase. It is. So just even seeing those little bits of extra daylight, even though it's still cold Mm -hmm. and there's still snow, which Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't mind. I like the snow and the cold just fine. So, but the daylight, I do feel this surge of hope in the new year. Yes. So I am loving that side of things. And today we get to talk about scams and toxic relationships, right? Yeah. You know, this is, so I guess I'll give a little bit of background. What got me thinking about this is spiritual scams or Mm -hmm. disingenuous prayer requests. Yeah. Toxic Mm -hmm. spiritual relationships. Oh, I've got some stories. Yes. Okay. And I'm not, I I can't go into detail about one of them in particular because it's not mine to share, but I experienced someone very Mm -hmm. close to me recently had Mm -hmm. a very bad experience. I have some of my own to share too, but yeah. So I think this is important. Yeah. Yeah. The question of, you know, is it, is it wasted time? How do we go about it? What are boundaries? Are they biblical? Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. it's a a good. Yeah. I love it. Well, let's pray and dive in. Yeah. God, we just thank you for this day and for this time that we have to address some of the less pleasant parts of our spiritual lives, the the toxic relationships, the um, disingenuous people, even people that have malicious intent um, that might want to take advantage of our desire to love people well or serve people or give to people or invest time in them. We just pray that you would really open our eyes. And I just pray that uh, Lana and I would have wisdom to use the right examples and to just even in real time have revelations about what the Bible says about these kinds of relationships and um, just for the ability to really hone in on how Jesus would respond in these times. Amen. Amen. 
Well, our verse of the day today is 1 Corinthians 15, 58, which says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Love it. All right. So our just for fun is, have you ever been ripped off? Speaking about scams and such. So I actually have a story about the opposite. Okay. Um, so it, it, you it, ripped somebody else off. <laughs> that would be awful. No, we did not rip someone off. We thought that we were getting ripped off and we weren't, uh-huh. we were afraid okay. of it. Okay. So when my husband and I lived in our early years, when, uh, of our marriage. We lived in Las Vegas. It was shortly after, or it was right before the birth of our first child. We sold a car and bought a boat and it was a small, like personal, you know, used boat. Mm -hmm. And it was just so we could go out on Lake Mead. And, um, my husband was so excited about this thing. And, you know, I mean, the joke is the best day of your life is the day you buy your boat and the day you sell it (laughs) best two Uh days of your life. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of true. It was, it was, yeah. Um, but we had to sell it because we found out that we were moving and we didn't, it was Mm -hmm. desert where there was no lake and we didn't really want to hold on to it. So we really prayed about it and, you know, put it on. I don't remember if it was Craigslist or just one of those things that was like a public sales thing. And we got scam after scam, just obvious scams mm-hmm. where people would, would reply. And it was the, you know, the thing of like, you know, uh, we will give you X $5,000 extra. And then and you then send us the difference. You send us the check. Yep. Yeah. And so it was pretty obvious. That was my first real experience with those kinds of scams. So mm-hmm. I did have to kind of Google it a little and see, yeah, yeah. it seems wrong. And I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Well, so the person that actually ended up buying it though, was from a buyer from Russia who it had this crazy story about how they were buying this certain type of boat. <laughs> and they were buying it because they were hard to get there. And then they were going to have it somehow shipped or maybe like even, I, I don't, I don't know. There was a big long okay. story attached to it. Yeah. My husband was handling this interaction. I'm like, that sounds mm-hmm. so sketchy. He's like, right. He's local. He's going to meet me in person. Okay. going to give me the money. We're going to, you know, I think this might be legit. So he met the mm-hmm. guy, he called me, he let me know where he was going to be. And it turned out miraculously to be legitimate. I, the whole time oh, cool. until that check cleared. And then even right. after I was <laughs> then thinking, you wait for 30 days. <laughs> Yeah, but it was, it was by the grace of God. It, oh, it was cool. a, yeah, we were able to get out from under that boat. Oh, nice. you? Well, I actually, I haven't told you this yet, but I am now a millionaire after inheriting money from a Nigerian prince. Aren't it, you? It, it was really, really cool. I got this email and it's like, dear madam, it was all formal. No, I'm joking. Um, I don't think, okay, I know of a scam that they ran all the time in the like tourist trap Russia marketplaces Mm -hmm. because a guy that I was on a short-term mission trip with got scammed this way. And incidentally, my husband, before I even knew him, also got scammed this way. So the friend I was with wanted to buy a beaver hat because it's like, I'm in Russia, this is a Russia thing. So he bought this beaver hat and the the guy did a sleight of hand. So he shows him the hat, but then he puts in like this, you know, kind of cheap, not real hat in the bag. Oh okay. my goodness. But we didn't know it. So he he pays, he thinks he's buying the real hat. He's walking down like half an hour later, this other guy who also sells beaver hats says, do you want a beaver hat? And the guy on my team says, no, I just bought one. And the guy says, no, 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 you got ripped off, open your bag. And so that was the first time that my friend saw, okay, he really had been ripped off. And so then the guy who the second beaver hat salesman said, I will buy this from you. Okay. So you give me like, you know, however much dollars, probably like 50 us dollars equivalent and the old hat, and I will give you a new real hat. So they made this exchange and then like, 30 minutes later, he realizes, okay, he got scammed again. He never got the real hat. Oh man. That's yeah. like up close and personal scamming. That's not like internet or like that. Right. Yeah. That's wow. it, it's nothing but charisma and sleight of hand. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
Yeah. And it's a shame that it's come to that, but I have found myself because of, you know, just like praying Christian women has had some emails that even Mm -hmm, just recently, mm -hmm. there was one that I had to laugh at, you know, we get stuff where people try and, but I, I have found myself really getting the point where I'm feeling some of my, you know, the shrewd as serpents, innocent as doves. Yeah. Some of my innocence is being chiseled away to the point where mm-hmm. I ex- expect the worst in people. And it's very frustrating and it mm-hmm. really gets in the way of loving people. So yeah, that's why I think this conversation will be interesting and important because I know we're not alone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, we need to sort of talk about this. How do we yeah. live and love like Christ without getting taken advantage of, or mm-hmm. at the very least without consistently being taken advantage of? Right. Because I would say our typical listener is going to be more compassionate than the average, just walking around town. They're going to be a little bit more empathetic and, you know, more compassionate. And that is something that people might prey on. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the first question would be, there's a dog in my room. I had to look, I saw, (laughs) I saw motion and I I thought the dog was uh, contained. Uh, Hang on. I'm going to pause us for a second. No pun intended. uh, All right. I am back. So, but yeah, so uh, I think the first question is, have you ever been in a I guess there are a few different categories that we're talking about here. I would say category one, a toxic spiritual relationship where someone takes advantage of you by basically funneling lots of prayer or spiritual energy or attention Mm -hmm. when, when, um, without seeming to be any kind of benefit on their end. It's almost like a bottomless Mm -hmm. pit. Yes. Yeah. I absolutely know what you mean. There was a friend who, anyway, it's kind of sad, was sort of passed around. We almost like team tagged or is that tag 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 teamed. (laughs) I knew that didn't sound right. Like a couple ladies around church because it was like always needy which is fine. Like we're supposed to help others in need, but it was always, I think of it kind of as manufactured chaos, you know? Okay. I like, think that's the key. I think we have to mm-hmm. like really recognize that. Cause I'm thinking, what is the difference? Cause there are people that genuinely need more than others and it's okay right. because God has put us in community to help. But right. I think there's a manufactured chaos where people might thrive on the attention mm-hmm. or thrive on the neediness in a way exactly. that's unhealthy and even toxic. But yes. anyway, keep and going. they feel like the only way they can get help or even just to get like friendship mm-hmm. or fellowship is to be in crisis. Yeah. So it wasn't like, hi, Alana, next week, I was wondering if you could watch the kids for a couple hours. You know, it was like calling up at like seven in the morning and being frantic and, oh my gosh, this just happened. And then that just happened. And I would have called her, but she was busy. And again, like I've, I'm sure that at different points I've called you at kind of a chaotic time needing something, but this was so ongoing and it was very evident that no matter how much you did, there would always be more that would be expected to be done. I think another Mm -hmm. huge thing of being able to tell when it turns into something that's potentially toxic and versus like just helping somebody out of the goodness of your heart and wanting to show Christ love, I think is that sense of it's never going to be enough, right? Mm -hmm. They're mad when you don't do it as opposed to being thankful when you do do it. There's definitely a sense of you helped me once. And so now you're kind of my on-call, you know, chauffeur or, you know, chaos saver (laughs) kind of thing. So I definitely know what you're talking about, but I agree there are times where it's a little hard to know, especially since like people like you and me, we feel good when we help people. And so sometimes these two kinds of relationships can really feed into each other in a bad way. You love rescuing somebody mm-hmm. and somebody loves getting rescued and then they attach to you. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like you're, you're dragged into their chaos. And that's what happened with this one particular person, because it, it almost felt like chaos followed them. So like 
I don't want to get super superstitious about this, but it would be things like on days where I was it for being the help, like bad things would happen that had nothing to do with this person. Maybe it was coincidence. Maybe it was, I was feeling a little frazzled anyway, because I was dealing with somebody who was frazzled, but sometimes it also felt like there was a spiritual component. Like the more time I spend with this person, because they love chaos, Mm -hmm. the more they bring chaos into my life, even when they're not directly with me. Right. And it's so hard because I know that, you know, there, it can be difficult, especially early on in a relationship like that to know whether it's the chronically toxic thing Mm -hmm. or whether it's someone that's just in a time of crisis. So I heard something really, um, I think it was in the book called boundaries. I don't Mm -hmm. know the author, but it's a very common in Townsend. Yeah. Yeah. And they talked about the backpack versus the boulder and how, when it comes to determining whether you offer up someone your help or whatever, you need to think, you know, everybody has backpacks. We all have our load Mm -hmm. to carry in life. Mm -hmm. Some, some have heavier backpacks than others. Um, and you're hiking along the path. We have to figure out how to manage our backpack in the long term. Mm -hmm. If we break a leg, we might need a little bit of help, you know, carrying it for a little bit with an end in Mm -hmm. sight of getting it back on and moving forward. Then there are the boulders. They're the unexpected that are in the middle of your path, in the middle of your trail, Mm -hmm. and you need help to move those. And sometimes it takes a long time, but it's always a finite amount of time. And so I, I sort of look at that as a really practical way of litmus testing when something Mm -hmm. comes up. Okay. Is this person asking me to carry their backpack? which they need to be carrying and figuring out like long-term systems to carry that backpack mm-hmm. or are they asking help with a boulder? And right. I think that's one way, but it's not always perfect either. It's I not picture perfect. Yeah. It's not I remember, picture perfect. Yeah. I remember reading that book when I started working at the girls' home. So this is fresh out of college right before I got married and it bothered me. I think I'd be more okay with it now, but it bothered me that we were kind of told pick and choose who's worthy of our help. And yeah. And I get that that's, that's the mentality that leads to getting taken advantage of though. You know, I think there's a time to be prudent and sometimes, yes, there's probably a time to just jump in and love and serve. And you need a lot of discernment to kind of know what's the right course at any given time. And I think it's a very personal thing. I really think that it's a case by case thing where you can't always use a litmus test to know because Mm -hmm. there could be something that God is using you to do in someone's life. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Um, I think one of the things that has bothered me in the past with situations like this has been when a person uses salvation as a way to get attention and like, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. so like going to one group of people and praying the prayer or being led in the Mm -hmm, prayer and and claiming to be mm -hmm. saved and then maybe going to another group and doing the same thing. And, but yet not really showing. And again, you can't, it's, it's a line because you don't want to judge people's hearts or their faith, but then you don't see any outward fruit of Mm -hmm. that. And it seems Mm -hmm. like at least on the surface at times that maybe this was just a ploy for attention rather than genuine. But then you get on the other hand, like I think about times when I've given food to someone that was homeless or hungry Mm -hmm. or had a Mm -hmm. sign. Um, There have been times I've given money to people and there are people that will say, oh, they're just going to use that for such and such, you know, they're not going to use it for Mm -hmm. for things they need and they're just Mm -hmm. whatever. But I just, I can't believe I, to me, it feels like, and that this is a personal thing that I've kind of come to terms with God on that. If I feel moved and there are times still, like, I don't, I I would rather point someone to a long-term service, you know, that Mm -hmm. that is offered Mm -hmm. locally or by the church, but sometimes God will prompt me to hand someone money at the corner Mm -hmm. or to give them Mm -hmm. food. And I feel like that is my act is, as is an act of worship to God. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what that person does with it because I don't know why I was prompted to do that. And so it's not necessarily the outcome of that act of service or that action. That is the reason we do it. We do it because we just, we want to have this world 
experience more of the love of Jesus. And if that means giving money to someone that's going to go blow it on something they shouldn't, um, or that we perceive they shouldn't, who's to say that God isn't going to at least plant a seed in their lives of, oh, wow, you know, that person said, I'll be praying for you or God bless you. And maybe that plants a seed. That's one way to look at some of these times that we might not be 100% sure that serving a person is going to result in change or even long-term help, but we can offer it as an act of worship to God if it's something that in that moment we feel pressed that God wants us to do. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm so much like, don't feed the panhandler, which makes me feel like a Grinch and, well, and no, terrible. Because, but... No, because the other side of that is there are very practical reasons why you don't want to do that. And I do, mm-hmm. I've gotten less likely to do that because mm-hmm. it does encourage behavior that is less sustaining than seeking out long-term help at a shelter or soup kitchen or, you know, professional you know, organization. We've got tons of them here in Anchorage that provide help for people that need it. And so Mm -hmm. I don't like to be part of that problem either. And I realize that people probably Mm -hmm. give me the side eye sometimes if I do give things to people with signs, but I don't know. I, so I totally get it. I totally get it. No, it it is. It's hard because as compassionate people, like we, we want to always reach out to help, but I think that there is need for wisdom there. I heard a neat sermon that I appreciated. It was like just the topic of like tithing and generosity and things like that. But one of the questions that came up, which I had never thought of before, because as far as I know, I've never been in this boat. But the question was, what if I donated money to a charity and then later found out that they were, you know, not good stewards with it or worse, you know, maybe they were just charlatans to begin with. And I think I liked what the pastor said, and that was, you know, God took your gift at that time as an act of worship to him. Mm-hmm. And I sort of see you in as much as I'm like, Jamie, please don't do that. Or please, <laughs> please don't admit on air that you do that. But I'm like, well, you know what? Yeah, you are giving, you are giving something as an act of worship to the Lord. And so the outcome isn't up to you. You know, and so, you know, I mean, worst case scenario, let's say you donate to what you believe is a, like a loving Christian charity, and then you realize that it's actually a front for some hate group or something like that. Okay, so the second you learn that that's what's going on, I think it is your responsibility to cut ties, stop supporting. Um, Hopefully that's a no brainer, but I don't feel like you should, most of us would feel bad, but I don't think God counts it as sin that you were, honestly, you were duped, you know, and I feel like that the charity you gave still, you know, God's not up there keeping tabs. He's not like, so I see that you made, you know, this much in annual household income in 1997, but you only tithed this much, like he's not doing that, but if you were like that, in my opinion, it still counts because at the time you made that gift, you did have the best intentions and heart. But honestly, at that point, I think it's on you to be smarter. Um, Whenever there's a new charity that comes up on my radar, I actually asked my husband because he's savvy this way to just look into the credentials. I don't remember the site off the top of my head, but I know there are a couple where you can type in the name of a nonprofit and it will just give a score like of how how well they use the funds and things. Um, I think that, yeah, in a way, it's up to us to do some due diligence. But if we failed to do that in the past or were duped, I don't think we should feel personally responsible. We should just use that as a learning experience. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, what are some in, I, we'll talk a little bit more about flat out scams in, in a couple of minutes, but mm-hmm. what about these toxic relationships? I do think that it is important, like to be shrewd as serpents and it innocent is. as doves. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so how, what are some red flags that we can look for? I mean, obviously, like we talked about, it's not a cookie mm-hmm. cutter, like, you know, all encompassing thing, but in general, what are some red flags that we can look for in a relationship that we might want to 
start praying about like, God, is Mm -hmm. it, is it time to set some boundaries? Yeah. I think definitely if it is impacting you or your immediate circle that you are mostly responsible for, you know, for those of us with, you know, families or kids at home, it's that. Um, I remember there was one interaction with the individual I was mentioning that had happened like early in the day. And by evening, I was at a Bible study and feel, still felt frazzled by it. And so I asked somebody to pray with me and they didn't know the individual in question. I just kind of gave them the really quick, like brief version. This is someone who's always asking for help. I feel like when I do help, like chaos happens in my own life as well. And I just I don't feel peace right now. Can you pray with me? And she had like a hard hitting tough love moment. And she's like, you are a mom. My kids were toddlers, you know, like all preschool age at the time. It's like that your responsibility is to make sure that you are taking care of your family and your children. And by being here, beck and call for somebody who you have seen, like God has shown you that this person brings chaos when you help. And I wasn't the only one who had seen this pattern. Others in the church had too. And so she was kind of, it felt like a spiritual slap, like get like smarten up, wisen up. You are putting yourself and your family in spiritual danger. Like, I don't feel like that's an exaggeration. Um, I feel like spiritual oppression followed this individual Mm -hmm. and it was not, it turned into something that was not a spiritually safe place to remain super, super close. Yeah. And I mean, that sounds almost prophetic, like God giving you permission in that Mm -hmm. moment Mm -hmm. to set a boundary. So at that point, when you have this, well, well, if you get that red flag of like, either it's affecting you personally or emotionally or even spiritually, at that point, is it a cut off all ties? Is it set boundaries? What does that maybe look like in the moving ahead? And again, it's probably different in each situation. I think it probably will be, you know, I don't think that, I don't think the go-to is to have a major heart to heart and say, Jamie, I really loved being able to help you out. But every time I do that, it feels like bad things happen in my family. And I had this lady that I hardly know pray with me and tell me I should stop. So we can't be friends anymore. Like that in might general, not be the loving thing to do. Yeah. In general, like maybe not, but maybe if anything, you are more spiritually guarded, right? Mm-hmm. You, you never enter into close proximity without being covered in prayer. Um, we don't, you know, it's a great day and age to be alive because you don't have to answer every phone call. You know, that's what texting is for. Um, and that's me. I'm I'm much more likely to avoid somebody than like seek out confrontation. And I know that that's not always a, a plus. Sometimes that's a major negative um, personality trait, but I know that's me. So I don't remember exactly what happened. I think basically like kind of explains I'm, you know, I, I did a couple, sorry, I can't, we're busy when we legitimately were until I stopped getting called as much. Yeah. Well, what about, uh, well, what are some other warning signs? One thing that comes to my mind is if you are, and it's sort of similar to what you're saying about how it's affecting your family. But Mm -hmm. if you are, if you are, if you find that a large percent of your spiritual energy, your prayer energy, Mm -hmm. your physical energy is going toward that one person and your life is way out of balance. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably, you know, it's one thing to help someone in a crisis for a short period of time. You know, Mm -hmm. like I think of Mm -hmm. friends that have been in the hospital or that have had, Mm -hmm. you know, extenuating circumstances, someone that has, you know, bed rest or has just had Mm -hmm. a baby. Of course, you're going to, you know, maybe take care of their kids a little bit more or bring meals or even, Mm -hmm. you know, be there with them physically. And that's fine. But someone who is just in life-sustaining non-boulder mode, right? when it becomes a, when you look at the breakdown of your time and your energy, and I think since we're talking about prayer, your prayer energy, your spiritual energy, um, it seems like that probably isn't the most healthy thing. Now, again, God might have a divine appointment for you, a, a mm-hmm. discipleship yes. opportunity. And that's right. different when you're discipling someone and it is mm-hmm. a, you know, God appointed thing where, mm-hmm. you know, you're investing, but I, I do think that your gut and your, um, 
you're, you're not that you should just follow your heart because our heart tells no. us that, that we want me time. And sometimes we're may, we need to sacrifice, but, but your gut, your spiritual gut. And, yeah. Your and, spiritual discernment. Yeah. I think I've decided what still kind of rubs me the wrong way about the backpack and boulder mentality. And that is that like, we're never going to know what's going on fully in someone else's life and psyche. Right. I can think of times where I had what would look like to somebody who was in a good, healthy situation. It would look like an itty bitty backpack, but it felt to me like a boulder in which case it was a boulder and I needed help. And I think that's what I don't like about it. It makes it sound like I can look at you and say, well, of course you should be able to go and do grocery shopping once a week. Why do I need to do it? But you know, if, if we're talking about chronic illness or fatigue or depression or who knows what, what, what would be a backpack to me truly might be a boulder to you. And that's the one area where we, we shouldn't try to judge. No, that's true. And especially if it's someone that might not want to share the extent of why they're asking for help. I know it's hard enough to ask for help. (laughs) Right. It's hard enough Mm -hmm. to ask for help rather than to go Mm -hmm. into the details. So no, that's a good point. And that is a reason to that spiritual discernment is important. And something that you said earlier also really struck a chord. We, we can't just look at people as projects Mm-hmm. And as, oh, well, this person is deserving of my time, but this person isn't right. because I'm not yeah. seeing spiritual fruit in that person. Right. And I or think- who am I to say that a panhandler who's out on the corner doesn't need a, a sandwich or a few dollars? You know, like I'm, I will admit that's, that's not always our call to make. Yeah. But it, it can be hard because there aren't neon signs. And I mean, I've, I've struggled through this with several relationships where I've just been like, okay, where, what does this look like? What is my calling? Mm -hmm. Um, I think I came to the conclusion that yes, boundaries are biblical. Jesus set boundaries for himself. There were times when he said no and he moved on or he Mm -hmm. went off alone Mm -hmm. and we need to just be really discerning about what God, what are, what our divine appointments are, what God is calling us to, um, Mm -hmm. But I think the two things that I have come to try and remind myself are I'm not always going to feel like doing the thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. just because I don't feel like doing something just because it feels like and it feels like an inconvenience doesn't mean that it's bad or that mm-hmm. it's wrong mm-hmm. because God can call us to do things that are inconvenient and that are right. not feel good and that aren't what we would love mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do think that we need to, you know, if we're being spiritually drained or chronically anxious or burdened mm-hmm. in some way, those are definitely red flags. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, the next thing that I, that was the thing that I was kind of talking about cryptically and that I still can't go into really in detail is this idea of like all in all, like just scams where people mm-hmm. either contact you personally um, <clears throat> with the guise of being in need of spiritual help or financial Mm -hmm. help churches, Mm -hmm. I think deal with this in a large scale. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that someone recent, someone, I don't know, a while back told me that our church has someone that is actually in charge of sort of screening those kinds Mm -hmm. of needs and is very Mm -hmm. shrewd and yet loving in how Mm -hmm. he processes those, the questions that he asks the people that are coming for help to the church. But as individuals, we have those things, too, that might happen. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Have you heard about our Patreon community? Patreon provides a way for listeners like you to partner with us to reach more women with the Praying Christian Women podcast and our other prayer resources. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get exclusive access to video recordings of podcast episodes, including some early access to episodes before they've even been published. You'll also be able to listen to our entire archive of retired episodes of the Prevailing Prayer Podcast, where our podcasting partnership began. You'll get sneak peeks of our newest prayer resources, 
as well as virtual retreats and other audio and video bonuses. To find out more, head over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash partner right now and check it out. Um, so I don't know, do you have any of those instances in your life where you've had like a full on scam, spiritual scam or, um, or even well, someone coming to you with a prayer request that wasn't real, that. Mm-hmm. I am also in a similar situation where like a couple incidences, incidents yeah. <laughs> come Inci- to mind. Yeah. <laughs> incidences, incidences, incidences. <laughs> Um, that I can't dig totally deep into. So let me come up with just some hypotheticals mm-hmm. of what this might look like. Yes. Um, you know, somebody shows up at a church and says, I am fleeing from my ex-husband who is abusive and I don't have a place to live. And it turns out they just moved, <laughs> you know, like there's no ex, there's no danger. And yeah, they, they need help. And it's fine to go to a church and ask for help. But like, I've, I've heard of stories. This is like half hypothetical, half based on true events where it's feel like they've got to make up something a little more dramatic to feel worthy of actual help. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this whole new thing called Munchausen by internet. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. Do you know what Munchausen's is? The It's like a mental disorder. Mm-mm. It's where you are, it's, it's similar to hypochondria, except you will actually be so addicted to the attention you get from being ill that you will like take poison or you'll like, you'll, you'll make symptoms appear within yourself because Mm -hmm. you're addicted to the attention that you get when you show up at the ER or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's Munchausen's by proxy, which is even worse, which is where like the caregiver will force usually it's like a, a parent and child so i'm gonna oh give i've heard of that yes, where they like give terrible medicine poison. or yeah right. um, because they're addicted and i feel like it's similar and then munchausen's by internet is a kind of newishing and that's where you basically create a disease mm-hmm. that you actually don't have and you talk about it online you join support groups and again it is an attention addiction. And Mm -hmm. before we jump on a high horse and be like, how could anybody do that? I think we should appreciate just how attention starved someone would have to be, (laughs) you know, to kind of get to that point. Mm -hmm. But I think that that is for sure an example. And I do have stories of like churches I've been to and people I know who thought that they were comforting somebody through an actual legitimate, like life-threatening illness or Mm -hmm. horrific tragedy. And it was all made up. Yeah. And that was similar to the most recent Mm -hmm. one. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it is, it's something where my question about that kind of situation, um, well, what are, first, what are the red flags that a situation you're in might not be legitimate? Um, And then was that time wasted? And the same with the other instance, was that time wasted? Were those prayers wasted? Okay. So have you seen Ferris Bueller's day off? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm picturing the principal when, okay. So the premise is this guy is always skipping school. And so the principal just becomes like immune to all his excuses. And so he's calling to say. And obsessed with busting him. Yes. So he's trying to get his girlfriend out of class. So he's posing as her father calling in saying that their grandmother has died. And the principal, he's like, well, you just show me the body and we'll get her right on out of class. I don't, I don't know that that's um, what we're supposed to do. That was the first thing that came to my head. If anybody, you know, says that somebody's died and they need help, just ask to see the death certificate. <laughs> no, that I'm, could I'm work. joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Again, this is so hard because... Right. There are a lot of different individual situations. There are. And I feel like you and I are both somewhat at least gifted in discernment, but not everybody is. And so again, it's sort of, it's sort of hard. Um, Hmm. That's a real, that's a real doozy of a question is how do you know? I feel like the closer you are to the person, the less layers 
they should have to get through. Right. Right. Um, in terms of like, if you were to call me and say that something horrible had happened and I mean, well, like the day that the day I, I texted you and said that our kid had tested positive for COVID, you were like, do you need me to go bring you groceries? Which like is sweet, but that would be like a five hour drive, like or four hour drive one way. I would have and, done it, but you would have done it. And I totally get that. And like, in our case, I think that makes so much sense. And I hope everybody listening has people like that. But I also feel like the the more steps you are removed from somebody, the, you know, the more you can be like, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe I can look up, here's what I've done before. If it's somebody that's not in my immediate vicinity, uh, you know, cause like you and I both were, we're online a lot. We have a lot of interactions with a lot of people we've never met. Right. And yeah. that feel like good friends. <laughs> right. Right. And what I've done a couple times is I've actually asked for like the name of the city they live in. And if it would be okay with them, if I tried to contact like a local church who might be able to step in a little bit more, um, I think in some ways, especially if you're talking with somebody you've never met, we're talking, you know, it's easier to scam somebody online than it is to scam somebody in real life. And so, you know, if you're getting emails from somebody who's like, I heard you here and I know that you're the person who can help me and, but you don't see them, you don't hear their voice, you just get an email. I think that that's always something that you could keep in mind is a lot of times, you know, people in crisis need local help. And so ask them, can I, you know, are you comfortable telling me where you live? And can I share your information? Like, can I try to find you a local church in your Mm -hmm. area? Um, That's not a bad place to start because if somebody really is just trying to attach to you, that's not going to do it. But if they really do need support, they're going to be like, yes, please. I need, I just need somebody to help me. That is, that's a great piece of advice. And Mm -hmm. I think the key when you don't know someone at all, if they do ask for, I mean, the number one red flag is if someone asks you for money, obviously that's, that's a red flag. Or if they hint that they need money to the point where you feel like you would love to help right. them, <laughs> uh-huh. I think it would be a great idea to say, you know what, um, where are you? I'm going rather than wiring something directly to oh, sure. s- arrange mm-hmm. with a local church to provide mm-hmm. the money to them. So that yeah. they can be, a, you know, they can come physically to the church and pick up that check or whatever it is. If you do mm-hmm. decide you want to help financially, um, yeah. what um, in the in the most recent situation that happened, um, our family was praying along with this other person that had this situation going on, and we were totally convinced at first as well. And we were praying, mm-hmm. even the kids. I got the kids involved, and we were praying. Um, passionately for this situation and like to the point of tears in fact I even shared in our in our private praying Christian women community I shared a video where I just felt like I I need to pray for this person and Mm -hmm. um you know I'm sitting there crying when when I began to suspect and then found out that things were not what they seemed um it was humiliating in many ways to think Mm -hmm. I just sat there and cried and prayed these details. What the heck, Mm -hmm. you know? And then Mm -hmm. of course, for the person and people that were involved directly, it was also for them. And, Mm -hmm. but I look back on that and as I processed that and kind of responded, I mean, I removed the post from Mm -hmm. our community at this point, but for the people involved that were praying with us, they, you know, who you are that are listening, that prayed, (laughs) um, it was, uh, to me, I just felt God impressing on me. Those prayers were not wasted. Mm. And I don't know how that's possible that that time and those mm. tears and the burden that was on me, like, how was that not wasted? Mm. But, and I'll never know, but we've talked mm-hmm. in the podcast before about, we can say things with our mouth, but if we're connected to the Holy spirit during those prayers and mm-hmm. we are praying our heart out, yeah. Holy Spirit is using those prayers. So who knows that that right. person out there that that was a real person that wasn't who they said they were. Mm-hmm. Maybe those prayers impacted that person directly, even though mm-hmm. I was praying for details that weren't true. 
Yeah, but, that's really interesting. And I'm, I'm sure that there was some stuff to sort out with feeling embarrassed and angry and like nobody wants to feel like they've been duped. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Like, how could I be so gullible? And I think that brings us to another important question is like, when this happens to you a couple times, how do you keep from getting cynical so that like, mm -hmm. let's say two weeks from now, somebody sends you a similar message, but this time they truly do need your prayers and your heartfelt prayers and your tears and your passion. But you're like, oh, well, here's just another scammer. Right. And you can't, you can't do that. But what you can do is learn from the experience where you've been duped. And there was kind of a, a, a gray area where I was suspicious and then before everything was confirmed and I told God, I was like, I'm going to pray for this. If this person is in this situation, I'm going to pray as if it's real because they need prayers mm -hmm. and it's yeah. up to you to show me otherwise. But I did pray, God, give, give us mm -hmm. discernment in this, give them that were involved directly discernment in, in this situation. But mm -hmm. in the meantime, I'm not going to give up on praying because I'm going to okay. pray as if this is real until we find out. And mm -hmm. I think that you should never, I think one, two, two pitfalls. One pitfall is feeling guilty for checking up on people's stories because you feel like it's not the Christian mm -hmm. thing to do. Check mm -hmm. up on their story. Ask mm -hmm. for details. If this person is coming to you for help, mm -hmm. ask for details like yeah. where you live, local church. If they say That's things wrong. like uh, give details about their circumstances, that you can find out publicly, find it out publicly mm. um, and, and not feel bad about that. Don't feel like you're being a, a bad friend or a bad person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're being a steward of the time and the energy and the resources God has given you. And yeah. if someone's put off by that, I just, it doesn't mean you have to tell them that you don't believe them or that you're checking up on them. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. That's my opinion. What do you think about that? I mean, do you agree? I've got this in a way. Yeah, I've got this picture in my head that we're like these little Matryoshka dolls, right? The Russian nesting dolls. And one of these itty bitty dolls within us is like compassion embodied. Right. And we need to like, if you take compassion out, like compassion is buried in like six layers. If you take her out for every single person who needs her, mm. like she is not going to survive that. Like she's in there protected because she needs that protecting. And I feel right. like doing things like some due diligence, um, I'm not saying you get a prayer request and you just assume this person's lying and you're going to prove it. Right. But the more energy that someone expects from you, whether that's time or money or prayers or whatever, the more we need to remember, like your compassion, this little itty bitty nesting doll inside all these other layers truly does need to be protected from all the big bad wolves out there who mm. would love to gobble her up. Right. And so doing some due diligence actually saves our compassion so that we can bring her out when it's truly the appropriate time. That's a really good analogy. I like mm -hmm. that. And when you think of it as protecting your compassion for being a steward of your compassion so yes. that you can have it for when you need it for the yes. people that God has placed in your life. Yeah. And so you can like protect even that just innocence, right? Mm -hmm. Here's, here's jaded Alana, mm -hmm. who's going to be jaded by default because inside under a couple layers is like true, innocent, compassionate Alana who wants to give help to those when it's the right time. Let's protect the innocence and that just bleeding heart empathy with a couple layers of protection so that they don't get too eroded by all of the people who would love to take advantage of that. Yeah. I love that. I think that's great advice. And I think that as long as jaded Alana allows for the possibility that this is real, you know, like mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. don't just discount everyone, you don't, because right. I think that was the pitfall. Number two is on the other side, which is, you know, Satan basically like, uh, destroying your hope in humanity to the point mm -hmm. where you don't believe anyone and you don't want right. to help anyone and you don't want right. to pray for anyone unless you can confirm, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. you don't want to be like that either. So obviously there's a balance, yeah. but I like that idea of having that outer shell that tests that that, you know, is the shrewdest serpents mm -hmm. that, that goes through due diligence when, yeah. you know, and I think that as you experience more of these things, 
there it, it's like that that saying that like with satan there's just nothing new under the sun you know he, mm-hmm. he's not mm-hmm. that creative he recycles sort of the same tactics under different mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and so i think you start to maybe recognize some of the common threads and the red flags a little bit more easily maybe once you've experienced them a few times yeah maybe but you know there's probably also people listening who are totally flip-flopped where they've been hurt enough times right that you know they actually have to instead of we're telling people add a couple layers of protection that's true (laughs) some people probably needs to be you know able to get a tiny bit more trusting and a tiny bit more open and that's hard that's why sometimes it's really nice to ask somebody else to be your layer of protection. That's why when there's a new charity that I want to support, I ask Scott to look it up because he's better at that. He doesn't let his feelings drive, <laughs> you know? He's like, yeah, no, they're pretty bad with their money or yeah, they look fine, go ahead. I think that we can even ask others. That's why referring to a local church or mm-hmm. I know in Anchorage and in other communities that have Love Inc., Love in the Name of Christ, where a lot of what they do is like screening and then connecting people with the right help Um, so if you personally feel like you're in over your head, like, you know, here's a family of 10 and they have no place to live, maybe instead of just no questions asked, bringing them under your roof, maybe you reach out and be like, Hey, here's, here's somebody who needs help. What can we do kind of as a community to bring support? That doesn't mean they're not going to show up at your house, but it also means more people are going to be aware of what's going on, which can help. I think about us, you know, all being members of the body. And if you and I are the hearts where we just, we want to love and help and support, like we need some brains Mm -hmm. being like, yeah, how about not, (laughs) you know, or, you know, maybe we should, we should help them this way. Um, I saw a meme I loved. It says, do you know the, what if I told you memes, right? With the, the matrix guy with sunglasses. And it says, what if I told you that you can teach somebody to fish and give them a fish? because it's a lot easier to learn how to fish when you're not starving. (laughs) And I thought that was so smart, you know, because it's that whole proverb about, which basically says like, don't do things for others if they can do it themselves, just Mm -hmm. help them, which yeah, that's, that's not a bad mentality, but I also love this in in immediate see some people need the actual help right now, right? Like if you came to me and I don't know, I'm trying to think of some major, like if you came to me and your family was COVID positive and you needed, I don't know, a place to live with family who'd already gotten it. So we're less, I don't know, I'm inventing things. Like I don't need to write you a book on why it's important to wash your hands, right? Like what you need at that minute is what you need at that minute. So um, I have no idea what we were talking about before that, but that was something that something you said reminded me of that I wanted no, to get out No, I there. think that's wisdom there. And um, it reminds me of the, you know, when, uh, it was when I went on a missions trip and there was like, there was a saying that was something like, it's hard to hear the gospel on an empty stomach. Like if, if you're ministering to people and you only focus on the spiritual needs or, you know, you only focus on the long term and you miss out on Mm -hmm. physical immediate needs, Mm -hmm. then you're going to end up being ineffective. Yeah. Or not as effective, maybe. I don't know. So I would say, you know, let's say we've got a spectrum of like bleeding heart to jaded, Mm -hmm. like totally anybody can take advantage of me to I'm so cynical, like my best friend could have their leg cut off in front of me and I wouldn't trust that they truly needed help. Mm -hmm. Think of where you are on that spectrum and then just kind of see like if God's prompting you, which, which direction do you need to be more savvy and more protective of your time and energy? Or do you need to be a little bit more willing to step in? Or, you know, are you are you in an okay spot and you just need to remember to have a mix of both compassion and discernment? That sounds good. But I love that comment you, you mentioned about that prayer energy not being wasted. And I love looking at it in that way, you know, that yeah, maybe we're praying heartfelt for somebody who we think is going through a tragedy that's totally made up and they're doing it, you know, just for attention. But somehow, you know, I don't know, best case scenario, like let's say I'm praying for somebody who claims to, you know, be fleeing from an abusive ex and it turns out, no, they just moved and don't have a place to live. Maybe my prayers are actually like, we've talked before about praying for individuals and having that individual almost be like an avatar 
for other people going through the same thing. So maybe my prayers, God is sort of interpreting behind the scenes to be praying for other people in dangerous situations. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that is, that's a, yeah, that's actually a really good, uh, a good thought because we Mm -hmm. have talked about that before, how you can pray creatively and imaginatively Mm -hmm. for things that may not be real situations, but you can pray on behalf of someone because chances are someone's Mm -hmm. going through what that situation is. That's, that's really, that's a really neat thought. I like that. And I think also it, it makes it easier to have that discernment and to set those boundaries, the bigger grasp or the better grasp you have on what your own calling is, your own giftedness is, and your own sort of purpose and destiny. Um, So as an example, maybe you know that your calling is to um, raise raise your family and help your husband in church because you're a pastor's wife with young kids and you are convinced that that is your calling. It's going to be easier for you to say, no, I can't be the, um, you know, the chauffeur that everybody calls and they need a ride because that means I'm going to have to buckle three preschoolers into all their car seats and disrupt our schedule. And you're going to feel less guilty if you know what you're saying you're saying no to one thing so that you can focus on the things that are for you. Um, and then you can do that without feeling guilty. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. I still feel kind of bad. I still feel like I'm here, like sounding like a big old Scrooge. I mean, like, yeah, never trust anybody and never help anybody. No, you didn't say any of that. No, okay. I think, yeah, no, you didn't, you didn't say that. <laughs> All righty. Well, my, uh, my Matryoshka might be buried under a couple more uh, nesting dolls than some. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add or do you want to close it up? Hmm. No, I think we really did. Oh, I had another kind of mental picture that mm-hmm. I thought might help. So our, we've got this kitten and she does this funny thing when she drinks So she'll put her paw down and then like lean over. And I think it's so that she knows like where the water level is. She doesn't want to get her face wet. So she'll put her paw first. Right. So she's like, cats are notoriously like cautious of water. Waterphobic, (laughs) aquaphobic, no, hydrophobic. Hydrophobic. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's waterphobic. (laughs) She's a waterphobe. I almost feel like we can, we can put out feelers when Mm. we're about to pray and Again, like the closer the person is to you, the less he needs to like worry about it. <laughs> but um, if you feel like somebody has asked you for a big prayer need, that's going to take your time and your energy. Um, I would put that feeler out there. Like each time you're about to take your prayer to that next level of like energy and depth, like you don't need to do this when you say, dear God, help Jamie to have a good doctor appointment, right? I'm talking about like when you're getting ready to dive into a deep focused time of prayer for somebody, if it's someone that you don't know super well, I would put that feeler out there before you dive into that prayer. Like, Mm. all right, God, are we ready to go to this next level? Or like, have I prayed enough? And it's almost like setting a prayer boundary because for people who are really passionate about prayer, we can feel like we're meant to pray really hard and really deep about every issue that comes onto our radar. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not protecting that itty bitty, like nesting doll that's at our core, right? And we we do need to protect that core so that our prayer energy gets focused on the things that God has called us to, and not all of the things that just kind of come upon us in our peripheral day-to-day lives. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that would be good. I mean, the Holy Spirit is ours. You know, we have access to him and mm-hmm. yeah, good. Alrighty. So what happens now? Uh, <laughs> it's been a while since we've done this. <laughs> you tell everyone about praying in the new year. Our new Hey, how about I retreat. do that? <laughs> <laughs> so um, happy 2021. We're recording this in early January. It might not get out super early, but we have a resource for you at praying slash new year. That is a guided 
uh, basically a prayer retreat that you can do with yourself at your own time that helps you just to pray in for new beginnings. We we went back and forth. We almost called it just like the prayer for new beginnings. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. let's just call it New Year. So don't feel like it's got to be January 1st when you start it. Um, and that's at prayingchristianwomen.com slash new year. And now I'm on a roll. I know what's coming next. It's our blessing and benediction. All right. You're on top of it. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> May God's peace rest on you so that your heart will not be troubled and you will not be afraid. May the peace of Christ that transcends knowledge and understanding guard you, fill you, protect you, and surround you. May your spirit be steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And may the Lord of peace himself quiet your spirit, regardless of whatever struggles, trials, or storms are confronting you today. And our benediction is from 2 Peter 3.18. May you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.